Hi friend, this is Alex McRobbs, founder of The Mindful Life Practice, and you're listening to the Sober Yoga Girl podcast. I'm a Canadian who moved across the world to the Middle East at age 23, and I never went back. I got sober in 2019, and I now live full-time in Bali, Indonesia. I've made it my mission to help other women around the world stop drinking, start yoga, and change their lives through my online Sober Girls Yoga community. You're not alone, and a sober life can be fun and fulfilling. Let me show you how. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Sober Yoga Girl podcast. I am so excited to be sitting here today with Megan Wilcox. And Megan is the founder of the Soba Sisters community. And I love the way that's pronounced Soba Sisters. It's awesome. <laughs> and, and you said it perfectly. Thank you. <laughs> And Megan actually brought a group of women on a retreat in Bali in April, and that's how we connected. And it was so wild to me because we got connected through our sort of mutual friend, Marie, who sort of set us up. And it's so wild to me because I got introduced to you and I was like, how do I not know this woman who's like so influential in the sober world? Like, And you just have such an amazing platform, amazing community, and it's just so inspiring to see. And so... We got a chance to meet in April when she, was it April or May? When, when did you have your group? April? April. Yeah. And, and that was just so fantastic. And so I'm so excited to have you on the show today and just hear more about your story and your journey. Yeah, me too. I'm so happy to be here. I'm, and you were just such a huge part of my Bali retreat. So I'm excited to reconnect and touch base and see how everything's going. Amazing. So let's talk first about the Bali retreat. That was incredible. And was that your, it was your first time traveling out of the States. Is that right? Second. It was my first retreat ever that I've ever even been on, let alone like kind of running it myself. But I just got my passport at 39 years old last year and I did go to Cabo, Mexico. So that was, that's not that far to go from Boston, but going 30 hours to Bali is just like, I still can't believe that I actually did it. My gosh. And I just like got shivers. Like that is just so incredible. And what an inspiration to so many women. When you think about like all of this happened because you got sober, like if you were still drinking, that retreat would have never happened. And that's just so incredible when you think about it. Exactly. And it's actually when you then break it down, like to think, okay, if I didn't get sober and I didn't say yes to do this retreat, then all these other amazing women would have never experienced it either. And so when I think about it like that, it's like, wow, this really was, for me, it was life-changing. And I know it was felt, you know, very similar to the other 13 women that came with me. So it's, it's pretty, I feel very proud that I did get to that point. It's amazing. So I was wondering if we could start off by you telling me a little bit about your life before sobriety. Like, what was it like? Okay. You know, I'll go real quick back to my childhood. And I did have a really, you know, great childhood. And my parents are both amazing. I have an older sister and a younger brother. They're both great. We're, we're really close. We all live all over the map. So we don't, my brother's in New Mexico, my sister's in New York, and I'm here in Boston. So we don't live near each other. And I haven't for 20 years. The only thing that really impacted my childhood was my parents did divorce at, I was 14 years old. And I definitely took that the hardest out of 
everybody. Like for years, I just was like, please get back together and just didn't under understand it at the time. Now, I guess, you know, I do looking back. So that definitely like impacted me a lot. And then fast forward, I guess. So when I was 18, my mom moved to Boston and she left and that was really hard on me. I didn't know like what I was going to do with my life. I didn't know, you know, college or anything like that. And I found myself. So this is where like the addictive personality in me started to come through was at 18 years old. I developed a full blown like gambling addiction from 18 to 20 years old. And I was spending all of my money from waitressing on gambling, just trying to search to fill that void that I felt inside of me, you know, I kind of always felt like I did have like a black hole, you know, like people pleasing and it just never felt good enough and low self-confidence and self-worth. And so I don't know, I guess the dopamine rush I would get from gambling felt really good, but I'll tell you that ride home when I would lose my car payment or whatever it might be was so similar to the feeling I would get after a night of drinking. So drinking didn't really become an issue until a little later on in life, actually after I had kids. My drinking wasn't good. If I did drink in my younger years, it was more binge drinking, definitely put myself in situations that were could be dangerous and things like that. But I could go weeks, months without drinking and it wasn't it wasn't a thing. It really wasn't. It wasn't until I discovered wine and the whole relaxation thing after I had kids. So what was that like, like building up to your, like building up to the point of when you got sober, like how much were you drinking? What was your kind of dynamic with it? Like it started out, I would get a bottle of wine and I'd probably pour a glass and then fall asleep. You know, it wasn't, it didn't just happen overnight that I was drinking a bottle of wine. And that's the thing with this whole thing is that it progresses so slowly over time that you don't realize it. And so 2017, I unfortunately got divorced. It was really, really tough on me. And so I spent those three years after my divorce, basically self-medicating with wine. And I would typically drink, you know, a bottle of wine a night. And uh, if I wasn't working, I work overnights in a hospital. So I was really good at working my drinking around my responsibilities, my kids, my job. You know, I was never late for work. I never called in because of my drinking, but man, it was so much work to continue to keep alcohol in my life and then try to keep all my responsibilities. So it got, it got really dark though, towards the end and pretty much in the pandemic and at the end of 2020. Wow. And you know, there's a few things that stuck out to me about what you just shared. And the first is like that it really does creep up over time. And I think that's so important to highlight because People seem to think like you're just born, like you're just born with this addiction and this is just like what you have and and automatically from the first time you drink. And for a lot of people, that's not their story. Like they start out drinking just like their friends and all of a sudden it's like, you know, people are taking one path and you're taking the other and you don't even notice it until you like look back and really see where did I cross that bridge or where did it become something that, you know, shaped how I spent my day or or really influenced my choices. Yeah, exactly. And I think it it really did creep up like that where it was 
it would be like play dates with my kids and it would be like mimosas. And yeah. then it just started being involved like in every single aspect of my life. But then eventually got to a point where I needed it. I had to have it. I didn't even really enjoy it. I didn't like it, but I, it was such a routine and such a habitual habit that I just couldn't seem to stop, you know, and I would Google search AA meetings or rehab. I didn't know like what I needed. I didn't realize at the time that there's other options. And so as a single mom, I was afraid to reach out for help because I was afraid it would, I would get my kids, kids taken away or something by, by saying I had a problem. And so I didn't, I kept it to myself really for a, a long time and just would try to like moderate or try to cut back or take breaks and nothing worked. I, and I always thought too, you don't have a problem unless you're drinking in the morning or getting a DUI. And thank God I never had one, not because I never drank under the influence, but I just thankfully, you know, didn't ever get one. And it's just crazy. I don't know, like looking back. And so I didn't drink in the morning, but until actually at the end, I would find myself work was so stressful with the pandemic, working in the ER I would come home after my overnights and then I would drink a bottle of wine at 7.30 in the morning. And that's when I was like, whoa, this, what the heck is going on? This is not normal. Like what, what do I need? What do I have to do to, to stop? And so what did you do? Like, what did you reach out to? What resources did you use in the early days? Yeah. So one of the first things I did was actually went to a Zoom meeting for women, a support meeting. And that's when I realized, wow, I'm not alone. I'm not the only person that's struggling, you know, with this. And at this point, this is December, around December. And my mental health is at an all time low. I'm sleeping all the time, taking my kids to school, coming home, getting back in bed, sleeping, you know, and I remember my son saying, mom, why do you, why are you sleeping all the time? You know? And I was like, gosh, this is just not me. It's not who I want to be. So I guess the first thing that really helped change was the Zoom meetings. And I won a scholarship to this like sobriety course through the Luckiest Club, through the book, We Are the Luckiest. I don't know if you ever read that. And I had applied and I was like, I'm a single mom. I live in Boston. I work in the ER. I really would love this. I want to be get sober so bad. And that night of my my rock bottom night when I it was Christmas night and I drank a bottle of wine and I was just crying like yelling out to the universe please somebody help me like I please literally out loud saying it and then I checked um, my emails to find a, a zoom meeting and I found this email that I won the scholarship so then I was like crying happy tears and I think if I didn't win that, I don't think I'd still be sitting here today. It's so weird how like one thing can happen and it completely changes the direction of your life. Oh my God. Wow. I just got shivers and got tears, even though I've heard that story before. As you started telling it, I was like, oh, I remember you telling the story in Bali. It's incredible and it's beautiful. And it's exactly what you say of like, sometimes one thing can change that or one thing happens and it changes the entire trajectory of your life. And it's a really beautiful reminder as well, because, you know, I know Laura McCallan and you think of these sober influencers and they probably just have no idea the impact that they're having. But 
that decision to give you that scholarship didn't just change your life. It changed the life of all of the people that are now in your community and coming on your retreats and following you. And that's just the ripple effect of, of, you know, those, those moments and those decisions. It's just incredible when you really think about it. Yes, exactly. And so it just keeps carrying on and on and on. And it's, it's amazing. So I I did, I started taking that course. It was like maybe three months long and we would just meet and we would work through different things. And so I did, I went a hundred days without drinking alcohol. So that was the longest that I'd ever gone. Like, you know, and since I probably had kids or, you know, whatever. And, and then after that, I felt like I still was having cravings and that I, I didn't want to go back to feeling that way. My mental health now was like so much better. I wasn't as depressed as I, as I was, my medication was able to work that I was taking because when we're drinking on antidepressants or anti-anxiety, whatever medication you're taking, it actually will make any symptoms that you're taking it for even worse. So now I'm finally feeling better, but I'm so afraid that I'm going to go back once we ended that thing. And so I, I did, I reached out to a doctor. And at that point I went on naltrexone for maybe like five or six months. So I went on a craving, anti-craving medication and it helped me a lot. That's great. And, and I love that you share that because I think it's really important for people to know that there's like so many different kinds of resources. And I think like medication can be a huge support if for people that are worried about those cravings and and there's like so many different paths to sobriety there's not one way exactly and for me it wasn't just like okay give me the medication it because otherwise besides me drinking a bottle of wine every night and drinking you know alcohol I was really a really healthy person or so I thought I would eat organic I didn't eat refined sugar I didn't eat gluten or dairy like I was very like regimented on that and so for me to be like a medication like oh I'm not gonna do that. And so my doctor told me, just look into it. So I did. And I figured, you know what, what's temporarily taking a medication, the benefits outweigh the risks of me continuing me to drink because alcohol is literally like the worst thing that we can do to our body. So I really weighed the options and figured, what do I have to lose? And so that's why I've been really open about it. I wasn't at first, but now I am. And there's been many women from my group who have gone that route and have taken the medication and now are finally able to put all the pieces together and use all their tools. They use all their tools and are able to, to actually tie, you know, string together longer stints of not drinking. And so only about like, how did the Soba Sisters community come about? When did you start that? What did it look like in the beginning? Like, tell me about that journey. Yeah, so it's funny. So I live in Boston, so that's where I get the Soba Sisters. So it's, you know, in Boston here, they don't really say they're ours and, and all of that. So I had started a group chat with a couple other moms in my town who were also single moms and were also drinking a lot and wanted to stop drinking. So we just had this like little group chat where we'd be like, I don't want to drink today. And we would just kind of support each other. Well, then I got sober and I was like, hey, I'm going to start an Instagram account with Soba Sisters, you guys care? And they're like, no, whatever. So I started it in June of 2021. So I was probably then like six months sober. And I just, I literally thought I was like the first sober account. I didn't realize there was like a whole world of sober accounts on social media and how huge it really was. And so I had already had like a food page. And so I was kind of like into 
social media and things like that. So I figured why not use this, my sobriety for a page? Cause I knew how life-changing it was. And so, yeah, I just kind of started it for fun. No, no expectations, no idea of what would end up happening. And then in October of that year, I started hosting free meetings several times a week. And I did the free meetings for over a year religiously every Wednesday, twice a day on Wednesdays, and really just built this strong community of amazing women. That's amazing. And so you were doing it for free for like a chunk of time, and then you had your membership. And now like, what does it look like now? Like if someone's listening and wants to work with you and get involved, how can they work with you? Yeah, so I do do one-on-one coaching. And I kind of had pulled back on that a little bit because I was really seeing that the group coaching was being very effective for people and that that's everybody was just craving connection, craving other women. And then, so I do group coaching pretty much every month. I'll run like a new, new month. So right now I'm doing June and it goes till July 3rd. It ends. And we have like this great group of women and we do like coaching sessions. So not only do we just support each other and share stories, I'll bring up a topic. What so sometimes it might be health or sleep or you know, tools for cravings. Like every week I have like a little a different thing that we'll go over. And it's been really helpful for many, many women. It's absolutely just like incredible to hear and to see them hitting like these milestones. Like I've had a girl in my group who's hit a year, a few have who have hit a year, and it's like, wow, this is just so insane to me. So yeah, they can um, definitely check out the group coaching one-on-one if they're looking for even more support. Sometimes people do both, which I think is really nice if you're really looking to like step it up and pull out all the the tricks. And then I just started um, my own podcast. I have five episodes out. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I was like, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. I saw that. Super cool. And you also are restarting the Facebook group, right? The the Sober Sisters Facebook group? Yes. So as you mentioned, I did have a membership at once. It was like a monthly thing. And I was like, you know what, let's just go back to the free thing. And so now I um, opened up a private Facebook group. It's Sober Sisters Sobriety. So you should be able to search it on there and find it or just message me and I'll give you the link. And we're building it up. It's still kind of small. It's like maybe 200 women at this point. And which I think is actually great because sometimes the groups get too big and then it's really harder to make connections. So, so yeah, we have the free Facebook group and then a couple of free meetings, you know, that I'll just be hosting on Zoom every month. Yeah. And tell me about your retreats. So you have Punta Cana coming up soon. Yes. And I, again, this is like just so crazy to me because one of my goals was to save money because I've notoriously been terrible with money in the past, even bankruptcy seven years ago, and just have spent the last three years like rebuilding, rebuilding my credit. And so one of the things was to save money and to travel. And so I'm really hitting that travel thing, like pulling out no stops. I had went to Mexico and then the Bali retreat, which is incredible. And now I'm doing Punta Cana in October, at the end of October, it's four nights, five days at this amazing, beautiful adults-only wellness resort. And we still have a couple spots left. So if anybody's interested, feel free to join us. And I got a 
$200 off code for you if you want. Just definitely reach out and that's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of uh, meditation and there's going to be a, um, a breath work and some yoga. I wish you were going to be there to do our yoga. Oh my God. <laughs> that was one of my just favorite parts of Bali was having you there and be part of our morning circles every morning. I don't, I don't know if I couldn't have done it like without you, you definitely made it like so special on a whole nother level. And I was even like, can you just do this morning? Cause I want to like learn from you. And it was just incredible. Like I, yeah. So thank you for that. And I have to tell you, I just, it was just incredible to be part of your retreat, but I love that about you is that I was like a little bit nervous coming into it. Like, I was like, I don't know. It's like Megan's retreat. Like, I don't know if I'm like overstepping by doing things, whatever. And I just love that about you is that you're so like, you have this amazing group of women and this huge following, but you're just so like humble and like, and welcoming to me and, and welcoming to everyone. And, and I feel like you don't have this bone of like, like, I know there's a few people in your group who are now thinking about running their own Bali retreats. And, and I feel like there's just no sort of competition in you. You're just like, you're about lifting up and inspiring other women. And I just, I really admire that because I think it's easy to get a little bit like, you know, a little bit like competitive about things. And I just felt super like welcomed into your group. And it was just, it was awesome. Well, good. I'm glad that you felt that way. Yeah. And we're doing Bali again next year. And uh, next year, it's going to be my birthday, which is really exciting. So I'm pretty sure your retreat in Bali is April. I think it's like 7th to 14th, right? Is that? Yeah. So, so, yeah. so my birthday is April 7th. So anyone who wants to come celebrate my birthday with me and Megan in Bali, that would be awesome. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. Cause my 40th birthday was like right after I got back yeah. from Bali. So it was like, it was really, so we did celebrate it there. Remember everybody brought me a cake out and I was cake like, oh my God, I remember the last time someone sang me happy birthday. Like, this is so cool. So yep. Going back to Bali. I mean, I was like ready to rebook that next retreat before I even left. I was like, I need to come back here. And man, I'm, if my life was a little bit different, I would totally move there too. If I was able to just like get up and leave and relocate, I just love their way of life. It's so incredible there. Yeah. Oh, it'll be so awesome next year. All right. I have one more question for you, um, which is if you had any wisdom or advice for someone who maybe is listening to this show and is curious about starting their sober journey, but hasn't yet taken that step and begun, what would your advice be? My advice would be to reach out to a group. Don't try to do it on your, on your own because it's so difficult. You know, like there's drinking just all around us in the society. And so it's very easy to just forget about why you're doing this and to go back. So joining a group is really going to be the most impactful thing that you can do. Hearing other women's stories, learning more about kind of what's what's going on and and one other advice too would be don't listen to other people or try to get other people's opinions like if you have a problem or not all you need to do is follow your intuition and if your gut is saying like something's wrong this is a problem then it's a problem it doesn't matter if you're drinking seven days a week or one day a month when you drink you don't like yourself or you don't like the way you feel that's all you need to know and so just trust your intuition. I love that. Awesome. Well, Megan, thank you so much for 
being on the show, I'm really excited for the audience to listen to this episode because I think they'll will take a lot from it. And I am so excited to see you next year in Bali. Yay, me too. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it, Alex. Take care. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sober Yoga Girl Podcast. This community wouldn't exist without you here, so thank you. It would be massively helpful if you could subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast so it can reach more people. If we haven't met yet in real life, please come get your one-week free trial of the Sober Girls Yoga membership and see what we're all about. Sending you love and light wherever you are in the world.